In the days since the death of Queen Elizabeth, plans for what is expected to be a monumental memorial have been unfolding. With the Queen now lying in state in London, attention is focused on her funeral on Monday at Westminster Abbey. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. Toronto Sun columnist Christina Blizzard joins me to discuss what will happen in the lead-up to the funeral and the day itself, and what is next for the monarchy under the reign of King Charles. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Christina, it's been about a week since the death of Queen Elizabeth, and her funeral is just days away. Now that her body has been moved from Scotland to London, what happens between now and what I assume will be a large-scale state funeral? Oh, yeah, this is going to be the biggest event ever that London has ever seen, ever. So, I mean, if it's the biggest event that London's seen, I think we can pretty safely say that this is one of the biggest events the world has ever seen, certainly the biggest funeral. From now on, her body will lie in state for four days. Her body has now been taken to Westminster Hall. And over the next four days, hundreds of thousands of people are expected to file past the coffin. The British police and the various British officials are warning people that you will be in line for hours and hours, but they're already lined up waiting to fall past her coffin in this very ancient ceremony that always happens anytime a king or queen dies. So it's absolutely, uh, it's going to be stunning. The funeral, of course, will take place on Monday. And the coffin will be taken from Westminster Hall. I think there's a short little uh, procession that goes from Westminster Hall, because Westminster Hall is just fairly close to Westminster Abbey, which is where the funeral is going to be. Mm -hmm. There'll be a short procession where you'll see all all the various members of the royal family. And then there'll be a funeral in Westminster Abbey. When you say a short procession, I cast my mind back to Princess Diana's death or the Queen Mother's death. There's a procession of family members that are kind of walking behind as the coffin is taken from Westminster Hall to Westminster Abbey. Do we have a sense of who will be taking part in that? I assume her son, King Charles III, the Prince and Princess of Wales. Will it be a large contingent of royals or will there be kind of a smaller group? It will be all the royals. You'll see Princes Harry and his brother, of course, uh, Prince William, who's now the Prince of Wales. Princess Anne, who has accompanied her mother's body back from all the way on the flight and in uh, all the journey from Balmoral. Princess Anne has been at her mother's side. So she will be there. She actually took part in Edinburgh, was the first woman, first female royal to take part in what's called the Vigil of the Prince when the four children of the Queen held a short vigil beside the coffin. So Princess Anne will be there, and of course Prince Andrew and Prince Edward, the Duke of Wessex, will be in that procession. Also, I expect that Peter Phillips, who is Princess Anne's son, will also be part of that procession. So yes, it will be. It won't be as long a journey as we saw with Princess Diana's because there they went all the way from Kensington Palace to the Abbey, which is, I think, a longer procession than than we will see. I think the longer procession has already happened, taking the coffin from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Hall. Looking at the funeral itself, I know that a lot of people view the royal family as kind of the ultimate celebrity 
family, but there's tradition and there's history. And I can't imagine it's going to be a quote unquote celebrity funeral. This is going to be a somber and stately affair. Is that safe to assume? Yeah, absolutely. You've hit the nail right on the head. It's This is not a celebrity funeral. This is the funeral of a head of state. So we're going to be seeing basically the crown heads of around the world, all the Scandinavian kings and queens, Spain already. We're seeing this, uh, the, Japan's royal family will be represented. Everyone is going to be there. Of course, Vladimir Putin has not been invited. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> uh, there are some people who are on the outs who won't be there, but pretty well everyone else is going to be there. Of course, Justin Trudeau has already accepted an invitation. I would expect that Mary Simon, the Governor General, will be in Westminster Abbey, as perhaps also Ralph Goodell, who's our High Commissioner in London. But they're all being asked to keep a very, very tight group because Westminster Abbey only seats about 2,000 people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can imagine, I mean, it must, I'd hate to be the protocol officer working out the seating and who gets invited, who doesn't get invited. You get a plus one, you not get a plus one. It's going to be uh, very busy for them right at the moment. A big undertaking. I imagine the streets will be lined as well in London. Like This is a huge security undertaking as well. There'll be public flocking to the streets to get a glimpse of the procession as it goes past. Oh, absolutely. This will be already people are just descending on the capital. The British authorities are expecting the transportation systems to be overwhelmed. There was a report that the people organizing the funeral had asked heads of state to fly commercial, which, you know, good luck with that. I, I'm not sure I can see Joe Biden not taking, you know, US one or whatever, uh, whatever that his plane is. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Justin Trudeau is going to be taking the challenger. I think you're going to have a lot of difficulty persuading heads of state to fly commercial. But uh, and they're also asking heads of state and uh, some of the dignitaries to take the bus. They're, they're having shuttle buses going to Westminster Abbey. Again, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. I think Biden has this, you know, armor-plated limo called the Beast that they travel around in. So it's going to be quite a spectacle that we're going to see on Monday morning as people arrive for that, because just everyone who's anyone is going to be there. After the state funeral, where will the Queen be laid to rest? Is there a spot on the Abbey proper? No, she will be taken to uh, Windsor Castle. She's going to be, you remember uh, her husband, Prince Philip, was laid to rest at the King George VI Memorial Chapel. There will be a special chapel there. The Duke of Edinburgh was laid to rest in the Royal Vault in the Memorial Chapel, and he will be moved to join the Queen in the George VI Memorial Chapel, which is an annex to the main chapel. So that's at Windsor Castle in St. George's Chapel there. And Windsor was, I think, probably her favorite castles. That's where she spent her time during the pandemic. You remember they created that bubble for her at Windsor. So it's a very appropriate thing. So she will be driven in a hearse through the streets of London out to Windsor, which is in the countryside to the west of London. So you can expect also just hundreds of thousands of people lining the route as they watch the hearse take this one last journey out to Windsor Castle. 
I don't know if you saw the footage from when the flight landed at North Holt, which it was the RAF base in northwest London, where the plane landed with the coffin. And she was driven in along a you know, fairly major highway. And everyone, all the cars, all the traffic came to a stop as people you know, got out of their cars. It was actually stunning to watch this footage of, of people, just ordinary people stopping their cars to pay tribute. We'll be right back. In the United Kingdom, the day of the funeral has been declared a national day of mourning, a national bank holiday. There's been talk of that in Canada. What is the protocol in Canada? Will Canadians see a day off as well? Well, I think the protocol, I mean, the last time this happened was, you know, 70 years ago, more than 70 years ago. So there, and it was a day off across the country. But I think the times have changed. And I think that you have to sort of review your, your customs and traditions in line with that. I mean, this would, if you declared it a holiday right across the country, that would hurt a lot of small businesses who've already had to sort of scramble not doing business during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I think what's happened is that Justin Trudeau announced that it's going to be a federal holiday for people who work for the federal government. So I would assume unless they're um, essential services, but provincially everything has gone sort of province by province Quebec's Premier Go came out pretty quickly and said, no, no, we're not doing that here, uh, which is fair enough. And in Ontario, Doug Ford came out and said, no, we're going to have a day of mourning. We want uh, kids in schools. You know, it's not a day off. They're suggesting in Ontario that they have uh, two minutes of reflection at one o'clock to pause to remember the Queen's legacy, which I think is probably a, a fairly wise thing to do. I think the only place where it's a holiday, I believe, is in BC. But most other provinces have, have sort of gone along with this sort of hybrid where places aren't shutting up. I mean, in the UK, major major uh, grocery chains have said that they're, they're shutting up shop. A lot of uh, all the major stores in Britain, in London, I would expect would be closed. But I think I don't think that would really work in Canada. I think too many people need to keep working. It's a bit of a hybrid. It's a bit of a mishmash. You would have thought they'd have figured this out. I mean, the Queen was 96. You would have thought that... Canada would have looked ahead and perhaps had a plan in place of how this was going to work. So it didn't look so last minute and so such a, a mishmash. I mean, I think what we're seeing from the UK is, you know, these are plans, the plans for the Queen's funeral have been in place for probably 30 years. You know, they knew it was going to happen. They just didn't know when. So that's why this is all done with absolute split second efficiency it's why it's being done with they're able to pull together so much pomp and ceremony so quickly they've rehearsed it they knew it was happening and here in canada we're kind of saying what the queen's dead what are we going to do next <laughs> yeah i mean looking ahead past the queen's funeral into the reign of king charles iii the future of the monarchy with a reign of 70 years, as you said, you know, it's a minority of people around who can recall a time when Elizabeth wasn't the queen. And I think because of this, there may be 
additional uneasiness, you know, about King Charles outside existing feelings about the monarchy in general, especially in Canada, you know, how will the king and the royal family handle this transition? Well, he's done pretty well so far. <laughs> Apart from he keeps seeming to seem, seem to fighting with pens for some reason. He can't <laughs> find a, I mean, well, I don't know what's that about. Can someone not find Charles a pen that's not going to blot the paper or whatever? But I think the transition is going to be difficult. They've always known it would be difficult. I mean, we know that Charles is not as not as popular as Elizabeth was. I mean, he's, you know, she was like just twenty seven years old when she came to the throne, and she'd lived an impeccable life of service up to that point. She had served during the war. She was a truck driver and a mechanic. But And Charles really doesn't have that. He's 73 years old. And while he has a long legacy of his work on sustainability and organic farming, and he has his, a lot of charities work that he's done, everyone, I think, still remembers the whole issue of Diana Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's really a shame. And I've met him and I've met his wife, Camilla, and I really like Camilla. I think she's, she's a funny and a very down to earth kind of person. And I think she's sort of ready to work hard. I think what Charles needs to do if he wants to ease his way in, so to speak, as the new monarch, he needs to come and visit Canada and he needs to deal with some of the issues that have perhaps been overarching here, you know, particularly among the Crown's relationship with Indigenous people. And that's a very complex and difficult issue. All, uh, anytime you cover a royal tour, anytime you stop at any event, there is always someone from the local First Nation and they will come out and they're bringing with them a treaty, a copy of the treaty that was signed by their ancestors and the ancestor of whoever the royal is that's visiting. And they're not bringing it out just to say, hey, look at this, isn't this interesting? They're bringing it out to remind them, say, look, your ancestors signed this, my ancestors signed this, we need to keep this going and and uphold this treaty. So I think in light of recent events in Canada regarding some of the First Nations and the issues we have with Indigenous people, it would be a good move for Charles, he did. He came over just for a sort of flying three-day visit earlier this year. But I think if he came over and visited some First Nations, his whole idea of being sort of one with with nature, organic farming, fits in very nicely with indigenous culture. That's a lot of their. They share a lot of those views. And I think that there's a lot of reconciliation that can be done between the Crown and Indigenous people just by his presence, his visits, talking to people, finding out what their issues are. And that might be a good move for him. But it's certainly going to be very tricky. How do you suppose his reign will be different than that of his mother's? Or is it just... Is it colored by the fact that he's lived in the public eye and maybe doesn't have the same record of service or in a way that people see him as having a record of service? And does he always just kind of live in the shadow of his mother? I think what we'll see going forward is I think Queen Elizabeth was very reluctant to do some of the changes that need to be made to the monarchy. It needs to be downsized. It needs to be streamlined. It needs to be more than just social housing and a make-work scheme for minor royals. And Prince Charles has made it clear that he's about to do that. He's made it clear that he just wants his family to be that central core of 
the royal family. I mean, obviously, this was before Harry and Meghan quit their royal duties. So now it's even an even smaller circle, which will be harder on the remaining royals. But I mean, he had a big bust up with his brother, one of the many he's had with Andrew, because Prince Andrew wanted more prominent roles. He wanted a big fancy wedding for his weddings for his daughters. And Prince Charles has sort of fought against that. Mm. And they've argued in the past over that just because Charles realizes that the monarchy going forward does have to sort of slim down a bit. He's aware that there's criticism both in Britain and in other countries like Canada, where the monarch is the head of state. So I think we're going to see a slim down monarchy that could be quite different. It's going to be quite interesting to see how the coronation goes about, because that's going to happen next year, I would think. And I would not think it's going to be some great elaborate party. The Queen's coronation was very shortly after the end of World War II. So it was, for a lot of Britons, it was a, a celebration of finally, you know, coming out from under that dark period. I think that Charles would do something more modern, and that will set the tone, I think, for his reign. I know that many Canadians will be waiting to see the coronation, but also will be watching the services on Monday for Queen Elizabeth. Christina, thanks very much for your time. My pleasure. 10.3 is produced by Tyler Dawson, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Christina Blizzard. More from her at torontosun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.